Welcome back, everyone, to the Reset Salon podcast. This is Ed McGuire here with uh, co-hosts Julie Albright and Brian Ayashi. Uh, tonight, our conversation is going to be the path forward. We're, we're, as as we do uh, every time we have one of these discussions, we invite insights from the people who we think very highly of. And uh, this week, we are thrilled to, to welcome uh, Brian Solis, who's a uh, he's um, very well known uh, as a as a thinker and a, uh, a true thought leader. But you know, a more accurate description that he is a digital anthropologist and futurist, and he's uh, um, he is the global innovation evangelist at Salesforce, and he is an eight-time best-selling author. And so we're going to kick our conversation off by turning it over to Julie and uh, and then Brian, and then, and then we'll hear from Brian Solis. Hey, thanks, Ed. When I think about looking forward, I think about the journey that is life. For many, we've been thrown off the path we thought we were on, diverted by the COVID pandemic diverted from careers, from friends and family, from travel and leisure activities. I know for myself, I was three hours from hopping on a plane to France, the first stop on my journey towards Sweden and Spain and the UK to research my next book. I received a call from my host over in Paris saying, maybe we shouldn't do this. I envisioned getting stuck in Stockholm for months and we canceled the trip. Then the lockdowns came, and here I am, a year later. When the path of life gets rocky, steep, or difficult, it can be cause for alarm and anxiety as we're thrown off what we thought was going to happen to us in life. My best friend and mentor, Dr. Tom Conran, and I used to read and reread a favorite poem for just these kinds of situations. He unfortunately died young at only 52 years old, and I've had to soldier on without him. But I still turn to this poem for strength in uncertain times. I thought I'd share it with you today. It's called Corson's Inlet by A.R. Amons. Here it is. I went for a walk over the dunes again this morning to the sea, then turned right along the surf rounded a naked headland and returned along the inlet shore. It was muggy sunny. The wind from the sea, steady and high, crisp in the running sand, some breakthroughs of sun, but after a bit, continuous overcast. The walk liberating. I was released from forms, from the perpendiculars, straight lines, blocks, boxes, binds of thought, into the hues shadings, rises, flowing bends, and blends of sight. I allow myself eddies of meaning, yield to a direction of significance, running like a stream through the geography of my work. You can find in my sayings swerves of action, like the inlet's cutting edge. There are dunes of motion, organizations of grass, white sandy paths of remembrance in the overall wandering of mirroring mind. But overall is beyond me, is the sum of these events I cannot draw, the ledger I cannot keep, 
the accounting beyond the account. In nature, there are few sharp lines. There are areas of primrose, more or less dispersed, disorderly orders of bayberry between the rows of dunes, irregular swamps of reeds, though not reeds alone, but grass, bayberry, yarrow, all predominantly reeds. I have reached no conclusions, have erected no boundaries, shutting out and shutting in, separating inside from outside. I have drawn no lines as manifold events of sand change the dune's shape that will not be the same shape tomorrow. So I'm willing to go along, to accept the becoming thought, to stake off no beginnings or ends, establish no walls. By transitions, the land falls from grassy dunes to creek to under creek, but there are no lines. Though change in that transition is clear as any sharpness, but sharpness spread out, allowed to occur over a wider range than mental lines can keep. The moon was full last night. Today, low tide was low. Black shoals of muscles exposed to the risk of air and earlier of sun, waved in and out with the waterline, waterline inexact, caught always in the event of change. A young mottled gull stood free on the shoals and ate to vomiting. Another gull, squawking possession, cracked a crab, picked out the entrails, swallowed the soft-shelled legs, a ruddy turnstone running in to snatch leftover bits. Risk is full, every living thing in siege. The demand is life, to keep life. The small, white, black-legged egret, how beautiful, quietly stalks and spears the shallows, darts to shore, to stab what I couldn't see against the black mud flats, a frightened fiddler crab. The news to my left over the dunes and reeds and bayberry clumps was fall. Thousands of tree swallows gathering for flight and order held in constant change. A congregation rich with entropy, nevertheless separable, noticeable as one event, not chaos. Preparations for flight from winter. Cheat, 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 cheat. Wings rifling the green clumps, beaks at the bayberries, a perception full of wind, flight, curve, sound. The possibility of rule as the sum of rulelessness, the field of action with moving incalculable center. In the smaller view, order tight with shape, blue tiny flowers on a leafless weed, carapace of crab, snail shell, pulsations of order in the bellies of minnows, orders swallowed, broken down, transferred through membranes to larger orders. But in the large view, no lines or changeless shapes, the working in and out together and against of millions of events, this so that I make no form of formlessness. Orders as summaries, as outcomes of actions, override or in some way result, not predictably, seeing me gain the top of a dune, 
the swallows could take flight. Some other fields of bayberry could enter fall berryless, and there is no serenity. No arranged terror, no forcing of image or plan or thought, no propaganda, no humbling of reality to precept. Terror pervades, but it is not arranged. All possibilities of escape open, no route shut, except in the sudden loss of all routes. I see narrow orders, limited tightness, but will not run to that easy victory. Still around the looser, wider forces work. I will try to fasten into order enlarging grasps of disorder, widening scope, but enjoying the freedom that scope eludes my grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that I have perceived nothing completely, that tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. So for many, I would say the not knowing what's next during this pandemic has been anxiety producing, yet seen another way it's freeing as well. As A.R. Amons put it here, he enjoys the freedom that the scope eludes his grasp. I'm reminded of one other favorite bit of literature that can inform us here, I think, and that is my favorite essay, Self-Reliance, by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He talks about a path, but this time of a sailboat, as a metaphor for our paths of life and how that path may not always be straight. He says, the voyage of the best ship is a zigzag line of a hundred tacks. Seeing the line from a sufficient distance and it straightens itself to the average tendency. That seen from a distance, my former counseling supervisor at USC used to call the eternal view. Problems and difficulties navigating our paths in life do straighten themselves out when seen from this eternal view. So three takeaways I'd like to leave you with today. Number one, try to find some joy in the freedom of not knowing, in the element of surprise, in the delight of discovery. Number two, with the rollout of vaccines and the high rates of infection we've already seen of COVID, this COVID moment will not last forever and will soon be back to our prior activities. There is light at the end of the tunnel and our path awaits just around the next corner. And number three, that each day we get the chance to do it all over again that a new walk is a new walk. We get another chance to choose our path, to see things afresh, and to chart a new course in life. And with that, I'm throwing it over to Brian. I don't know if I'm supposed to say anything. feel like I could just listen to you read all day uh, and night, Julie. So, uh, it's actually just taking notes on your three points as well. Uh, thank you for that. I thought I was just in Storyland. 
it was well, uh, yeah how do we how do how do we think about that uh that road ahead would love to love to get your thoughts we'll we'll come back to brian hayashi in a in a little bit but um you know what what do you, what what is comes to your uh what comes what's top of mind when you think about the the path of ahead in uh I I wish more people wrote, I wish more people wrote like that, actually, to be honest with you, uh, that that's, that's a stunning, it's a stunning use of language, uh, to vividly paint a world in which transcends wherever you are, uh, from text to, uh, to another dimension. And I guess that's a good place to start the conversation is that we don't give ourselves that freedom to, just transport ourselves, our brains, our bodies into another place because we've got 50,000 tabs open on the browser, 20 million texts that we haven't read, emails, social media notifications. Uh, and even if you wanted to, even if you wanted to right now, take a couple of hours and try to write a paragraph like that, I bet you couldn't. Uh, and a lot of that is because we have stripped away just by our very nature of today's lifestyle, the ability to dive in deep and connect with that inner creativity and artistry that exists in every single one of us, uh, but that we don't flex, we don't stoke, we don't breathe life into, we don't caress, we don't feed. Uh, and that was a big part of the discovery for me when I realized that every part of my world was not what what you saw on, on Instagram, <laughs> and that uh, my my relationship and connection to 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 art and creativity uh, had always been a big part of my work in business uh, and in technology, and I felt like it was a differentiator, even if it wasn't as successful as a lot of uh, let's just say a lot of other folks who worked in the same realm. Uh, but I did feel better and happier about my place within within it because it was a form of expression for me. Uh, and also that form of expression uh, did more than pay the bills. Quite, quite, uh, quite blessed at the way that that work made an impact only to find that it was finite. And so as Julie was closing the passage in her findings with those three elements of joy, surprise, and discovery, realizing that COVID, this rare moment, this gift in, in disruption of having the ability to, yes, you are at home, well, those in the United States, uh, that you have the ability to do something with your time rather than just binge watch everything on Netflix, and then also to chart a new course forward that is related to the great reemergence that is on the horizon, the choice is how will you emerge? Who will you emerge as? And what is it that you will do differently in the reemergence than you did when you were locked down? And these are three, three things that I don't even think that we've taken uh, and embraced and coalesced uh, in the year, the entire year that we've been here. And now we are a matter of months away from this transformation, from this light at the end of the tunnel. So this is a real good time to have this conversation. What do you want to do differently? Who do you want to be differently? How do you want to learn 
differently? How do you want to love differently? That's where I'd like to begin this conversation. I, I think uh, one of the things that that's interesting about all this is that every day is a chance to get it right. And right now, the chance that we have before us is to do something bold, something audacious, something that gets us out of the habits that we had found ourselves bound by, by choice or uh, by accident. We have lived these our lives with these very bright lines, and we've just acted with impunity, not caring about the consequences of our actions and the way that we deal with each other. And we see this in the way that we've treat, treated the environment, and we see it in our actions on, on social media. The Buddha suggests that in any relationship, there are three parts. The first part is understanding yourself and what you're truly all about. The second component is being able to listen, not with agenda or, or with but to truly understand what that person is trying to say and what, what, where that truth is coming from. And that the third component is only by understanding those two things truly can we understand the potential of what that relationship could be. Every day is a chance to get it right. And to fight for this, I feel like this is a continuous action that we must all take that, that we, we, we need to, 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 to find those bold, audacious uh, goals and then set a course for that. Ed? I think one of the, uh, one of the frames that, that is, you know, that people have to, you know, to take into account is that, or what we're seeing is that in, in many respects, uh, we were living life in a linear fashion, you know, prior to this pandemic. And then during the pandemic, so much has changed that, you know, the, this, the frame is, do you look at life as, as how we're living, you know, today and before, and there's, there's a, the before and the and now, and as we go into the future, is it, is we're not necessarily going to reach back into the, you know, into that prior perspective of how we were living life. The, you know, the, our, consciousness of possibility and the trajectory of our thinking our dreams is going to take an it's it's take it has to take a new form and no i love actually both brian hayashi and brian solos your your comments are, are so insightful would love to um love to get some, you know some some other thoughts about you know how you know how we reorient ourselves to this kind of unique situation where the you know, that, that linear thinking or that, that trajectory is that most of us lived for entire lives until the most, until a year ago and, and into now, um, you know, how, how do we, how do we project, you know, our strengths into the future and learn, build on the positive lessons of what we've learned in the last year to, um, yeah, get ourselves back on the rails as it were. I'm an optimist. <laughs> I, I see so much of the opposite during this pandemic and it's easy to understand. I mean, look, I, 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 I wish that we never experience any type of disruption like this ever again. And yet I know we, we will experience climate change 
affected things that we can't even imagine now. If anybody's following politics in the United States, even though we change leadership, we still have we still have a mess to deal with. Uh, we have lost our ability to discern truth from fiction, uh, at least at a societal level. And we have taken comfort in the throes of these superficial networks and not necessarily using superficial uh, as a derogatory term, but just simply as uh, something that is floating at a higher level rather than a deeper level of these networks that we surrounded ourselves with to make us feel better in the moment. Uh, and that's why we've already gone through a year of this disruption without necessarily transforming ourselves in ways that we could have if someone said, I want you to be different in one year, let's document the change you would drive some pretty significant change. So in many ways, we got caught with an unexpected reaction. We've been resilient. We've had to. Some of us have learned to embrace new things. Uh, I've been in Lake Tahoe for, for most of COVID and it's a beautiful place to be. You go outside, you, you hike more than you've ever hiked and you have picnics on the beach and you plug yourself into nature in ways that you'd never made time for before um, because you had to. And so I think there's this great thing to ask yourself, which is you still have some time. Hopefully we do not experience this control all delete moment at this level ever again, unless it's self it's self induced for personal transformation. But think about it this way. Do we play a victim to it? Or do we take the reins and make the most out of it? Like Stoic philosophers who believe that you can't control the events that happen to you, but you can control the way that you respond to it. I didn't have a playbook for COVID. I don't think you had a playbook for COVID or a global pandemic. So we get to write something together forward and it doesn't exist. And this is one of the reasons why, for example, I tend to shy away from terms like new normal and the next normal because normal was part of the problem. We have social injustice. We have racism. We have uh, incredible biases that I could list out all day long. And we have hidden biases that many people don't even realize that they're part of the problem, which is why so many of these things are just, just systemic. Uh, and we have a, a, a large swath of, of the global society that, that believes that they're on the other side of, of, of being the champions of what's right and what the future needs to be, when in fact, so many of us are actually part of the problem. The only reason, the only reason I feel like I can share any of this with you with any form of insight is because I stopped my life for three years before the pandemic to figure out what was going on in my world. Why was everything around me on one level going so extremely well and on another side of it, 
so extremely poorly. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, the things that we are taught to worship in our life. Houses, cars, clothes, jewelries, friends, networks, work titles, uh, you name it, education, degrees, uh, those, not that there's anything wrong with those things, it's just that we, that's what we all spend our lives chasing. And yet, so many of us are unwell in terms of mental health, in terms of unhappiness. In terms of self-confidence and esteem, and we don't even know it because we're out there projecting this, this idea of who we are with everything that we have and not everything of whom we are as individuals. And there's two moments of transformation. There's an aha moment, and then there's an uh-oh moment. And so I, I was hit with the uh-oh moment. Uh, and when you, when you face losing things that you actually cherish but didn't cherish, you do something about it. And so that's what became the life scale journey, which was understanding, well, what was, what was the disruption? I'm not going to play a victim. I'm going to try to figure out where I am and where I need to be. And only to learn that, so much of what happens to us in life actually pushes you so far away from where you think you are. Your values, your center of reference and how you make decisions, the things that you, you, you deem as signs of success and happiness. Uh, and so you push those things into your own life. You, you convey those things to others and you sort of create this vicious cycle of which strips you and robs you from creative, you know, your creativity, your happiness, uh, forms of ambition, uh, and you wind up ironically becoming like everyone else, uh, trying to be someone else, uh, and not accepting or appreciating who you were and what made you you in the first place. So in COVID, I have taken this as an opportunity to become a phoenix. But I had that uh-oh moment long before the pandemic. And if it's one thing that I want to share, again, going back to the, the incredible prose that Julie shared earlier and, and the three things that she left us with, that my path forward has been underway for a long time and it's continuous. There's no, there's no oh, I got this now. I learned. I figured it out. It's constant. There's it's always something new. And I, I who is listening to this or who is new to this and listening to this for the first time to understand that your path forward hasn't been written. And I would challenge you to question that the path you're on, is it really your path? Or is it a path that you see and you worship is it a path that was ingrained into your psyche when you were young? In my case, it was a, a Spanish mother from Spain who said that, you know, in order to be a good human being, you had to be Catholic. You had to go uh, do all of these things. You had to go to school. You had to have a nice house. You had to have all of these things. Uh, you know, so I, I, I was, I was very, very, 
very late in the game to realize I wasn't living my path forward. I was living other people's paths forward. Uh, and that's where I challenge you is whose life are you really living? And look, don't, don't worry if, you, if you're not enjoying any of these words because you're being challenged uh, that, oh, no, 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 not me. I've got, I've got all of this. I know exactly what I'm doing. Uh, part of that reaction is exactly why you're not on the right path. Uh, and if you're also nodding your head as you're listening to this, because you, maybe you've connected with some, some semblance of this, you know, later, turn off the TV and go write down all of the things that are weighing you down. What are some of the things that you carry with you every single day that you just, you don't tell anybody? What are the things that you're disappointed in that you haven't accomplished or done? What are the things that you've been questioning and organize them as such? Now, this isn't some formal framework, but just get it out. Let's get it out because that's where all of this starts because the path forward is actually dealing with the things that we're not dealing with rather than trying to build upon a foundation that's actually faulty or uh, part of the problem. So that's just sharing some lessons from someone who realized that he was uh, <laughs> um, that needed work. Brian, I, I have to say that uh you know, it's so clear that you've had a, a, an opportunity to think about this. And as you mentioned, you know, have a, have a head start on, on your own reset. Um, you actually answered all the questions that were coming to mind as I was, uh, as I was listening to you. It was, it was uncanny um, because I think what you've left us with is a, is, a, is a roadmap to think about how we reevaluate our lives, how we uh, make sure that we're not a, we're we're positioning ourselves for an aha moment, but when we're caught in an uh oh, you know we have the ability to look closer, look within ourselves, look around ourselves, and and express uh, express gratitude at least for you know having that other day to to be able to take you know to take another walk in the uh, in the morning and, and and enjoy nature and and then dip our toes back into the networks as, as we, uh, as we reemerge in, into the, you know, into the next uh, semi-normal or however we want to describe it. So, wait, 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 before you go and before you close out, oh, I, 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 I got to share two things. Oh, please. I got to share two okay, things. Don't so wanna... don't hang up on us yet. Don't close that yeah. window. Don't hit Not clearing stop. the plates off the table too quickly. Yeah. There's a couple of things that I just want to share in closing. Uh, there's two, powerful things that I'd like you to consider. So I'm some, you know, my day, my day job is uh, focused on, on innovation and innovation is of course, part technology. I work for the, one of the most innovative companies in the world, but all innovation starts from you, from an individual. It starts from within. It's your ability to see something differently or want to do something differently than we did before. I, I want to share this, and I know that we're running out of time, but but please, uh, please uh, give me give me a moment. I call it a prelude to innovation, and that prelude to innovation is the story of which brings you to that moment where something great is about to happen. And the only way that something great can happen is because you believe something can. The reason why we respond to uh oh moments more than we 
have our aha moment is because every facet of life has taught us to follow the rules at home, school, at work, and we're actually rewarded by how well we operate within those rules uh, and those guardrails. Innovation itself asks you to challenge your own beliefs and your own conventions uh, and to look at a blank space with confidence to move forward in a new direction, which is what makes all of this so hard. And so I wrote a couple of things that I want to share with you. Uh, one I wrote last night for a conversation I was having with, with a group of, with a company in Australia that wanted to, to focus on the prelude of innovation before they, they embraced product and service innovation. And so I wrote this, it said, innovation begins with us. The distance between where we are today and where we can be tomorrow is only separated by our imagination for what's possible and the steps we take toward that possibility. And it's simple. And you get to fill in the gaps. And the way to do that, which will bring me to the second and final thing, I promise. The way to do that is to be present. When you are not present, for example, if you're chasing everything coming at you, if you're not giving yourself the space and time to just breathe, or for example, to go through that exercise that we talked about earlier of taking everything off your shoulders. If you're not visualizing where you really wanna be, you're not really present. Uh, and it's easy not to be present because every part of your life is pulling at you. And that presence, though, is where you gain your strength. So I wanted to share this with you because it's something that I still struggle with and will always struggle with, but I keep it top of mind, and it's this. In this attention-starved economy, the greatest gift you can give someone is the feeling that in this moment, nothing else matters more than their presence you are in this together. The greatest gift you can give yourself is presence. And a newfound passion, purpose, and vision for what you will do next and where you will be every step of the way. And this becomes a virtuous cycle. That is where I'd like to leave this conversation. Thank you. Brian, those are uh, inspiring and empowering words that are timely and most welcome in this uh, in this period. And uh, we're, we're hoping that our our listeners will will be as inspired as we are from from your uh, your thoughts. And I would love to continue the conversation uh, as we start to reduce the distance between. Uh, where we are here and where we are going to be in the future using that imagination. But I, I, I love that idea of presence. Um, it's something that we're all lacking in this, uh, you know, again, and it's kind of the, the digital onslaught of, of our daily lives. It's uh, the one thing that, that is the most powerful is our, is our personal attention. And of course, the, all, all of the, the in, intention as well and the, and the passion that we put behind that. And, uh, as, as always, these conversations are some of the, you know, some of the most inspiring 
parts of uh, of this of this whole reset that we've been part of, and and we want to thank you uh, sincerely for taking your time and 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 um, sharing your thoughts with us, Brian. Um, from from me, Julie, and Brian uh, to to you, Brian Solis. Um, thanks again, and thanks for thanks for joining our our conversation here on the on the reset salon. Oh, it's my pleasure, honestly, my pleasure, and anything for Julie anytime. And now, uh, now your greater her greater ecosystem of getting to spend time with you too as well. So we're all one big community helping to bring a better a better world forward. And let's get on it. <laughs>